Hi, folks. Steve Urban here. Today's episode of the Rutterflex podcast is sponsored by Marketing 360. My good friend J.B. Kellogg and his team do such a fantastic job for us and so many other companies. Marketing 360 is the number one platform for small business, and it's everything you need to grow your business. If you need marketing support, I really encourage you to contact them at marketing360.com slash writerflex, and we'll add that link to the description of this episode for easy reference. And on today's episode of the Writerflex podcast, we have Jason Chapman, co-founder and managing partner at Convoy Ventures, an early stage venture fund dedicated to video gaming and esports. They partner with and support founders in this industry at the earliest stages. Jason Chapman on the Riderflex podcast. Jason, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. And yourself? Awesome. Are you in Denver? I am. I'm uh, on Platt Street. Oh, cool. All right. How about, how about the weather forecast we got for the next five days? I mean, is that? Fanta- fantastic. Fantastic. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to spring. I, I think the winter has, has finally won over me, and I'm, I'm looking forward to a, a new beginning here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now, are you from Illinois or the Chicago area? Where, where'd you grow up? I actually grew up moving every two years overseas. Uh, so I grew up in Africa and Latin America and Asia as a kid. Wow. Um, so as the, yeah, as the son of a U.S. diplomat. So. I see. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I saw you went to college, I think, in Illinois somewhere, maybe. And yes. So I, I did. Okay. Yes, I did. I did go there. I went to Wheaton College in uh, just outside of Chicago. So yeah. you, so you had to. Boy, there's a, a way to develop people skills. Moving every two years to like a different yeah. school, and all of a sudden yeah. you got to make new friends. <laughs> yes, it's it is a it's definitely a uh, they do a study on diplomatic kids, and about fifty percent of the kids after they, they get out of you know, college and stay is they don't move. They just stay in one place. And the other 50% continue kind of moving every two, three years. And wow. Wow. funny enough, I actually thought I would probably fall in the ladder of, you know, I actually enjoy moving. I like new places and meeting new people. Okay. Um, but, uh, it, you know, fate would have it. I, I met a girl from Colorado oh. that I fell in love with. And, oh. uh, you know, she brought me here and we're very happy here. You know, it's a pretty, pretty nice state. You know, a lot of people are finding that out too and moving here. <laughs> right. So that's, uh, the, that's the problem, right? I mean, I moved here like 14 years ago. Yep. And Before it was cool. Before yeah, I mean, it was cool. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, there are too many people moving here now, but it's still an awesome place to live, right? Oh, it's great. I always feel like I get a slight pass because my wife grew up in Eagle, Colorado. So oh, if, I, if I bail, yeah. So you know, at the time, uh, you know, the choices were between New York City and Denver. And uh, I would make the joke that I think more people lived in my building than in your whole county. Uh, <laughs> obviously, that's not true. But, um, you know, so we settled on Denver and we've been here together for, let's see, four years. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Years, yeah. How'd you guys meet? Met in college. Met in college. I, uh, you know, I, I uh, was not, I don't think, cool enough to date her in college. So I made, I made my move after, after college. Uh, she's uh, definitely smarter and cooler than I am. She uh, played on the volleyball team. Oh. Um, you, know, you know, actually got better grades than me. It pretty much was just all around ahead of where I am. And then, so I think I had to mature a little bit before I shot my shot a couple of years ago. <laughs> now, was she a volleyball player in Eagle and she got a scholarship? Is Wheaton Division Three, by the way? It's D3, so yep. they don't really do scholarships. Yeah. Um, they, but she got recruited on the team and uh, she actually played with yep. her sister there too. Um, they both played. 
Um, her whole family is extremely athletic and somehow they managed to accept me even though I'm a, I like to shine in other verticals. Let's put it that way. Yeah, That's yeah. very, very cool. All right. Yeah. And now you, all right. And you guys live in Denver, downtown? Somewhere. We, live in, we live in Sloan's Lake area. So if you know where that is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very good. All right. So you, uh, you meet this girl and we're well, right after college mm -hmm. and then tell us about your early career. Uh, you yeah. know, go ahead, walk us into, uh, some of the things you did early on before convoy. Before convoy. Okay. So, you know, if we really want to go way back to the start of my actual career is, um, and actually funny enough, the reason that it's, it's sort of relevant today is that I actually started in high school, a paintball company. Oh, one of the other managing partners of the fund here. Funny enough, so we launched the first paintball field in sub-Saharan Africa, specifically in Mozambique, um, which is where we were going to high school. Wow. And uh, launched a business, ran it on the weekends um, together. Um, the margins on paintballs are still crazy, by the way. So, <laughs> so crazy. And uh, we ran the business for about three, four years. Um, so that was really, uh, you know, arguably the start of my career, um, learning how to operate a business on my own. Um, I had a very supportive uh, father and mother in that process. They loaned okay. us money to buy our guns um, for paintball guns. So I'll make okay. sure that's clear. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was great. And we actually ended up selling the business, which was super fun. Um, really? Really? How, many, how long did you have it? Uh, we had it for four years. Yeah. And, and it was, was it a, uh, like a service where you come and do the stuff or you're selling like the equipment and the, and the actual paintballs themselves or. Yeah. Uh, so essentially, yeah. Think of like, we had a field, we rented the field, we built a, uh, if you've ever played paintball before, there's usually yeah. obstacle courses yeah. on either side. We built that, we bought the guns, we rented the guns out and we buy the paint and then sell it to people would come in and people would host like, you know, parties and birthday things and like out nice. gathering. And we just ran these events on the weekends and honestly, that was the kind of the, the start for the itch of kind of starting my own thing, right? Wow. I, I did that and wow. um, you know, I did that with Jackson, who's a partner on the fund here as well. Um, funny enough, our careers have nothing to do with that anymore. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we did that and then we both went off to university. Well, a little bit though, but it's kind of like sports related, yeah. kind of. I mean, there's a little tie in there. So did you learn back then like how to set up the LLC and how to just... You know all these yeah little, like yeah like, all these like, things like, like cash flow and expenses and income statements i mean you, that's where you learned all that oh wow okay yes uh we had you know we had very supportive parents on both sides both jackson and myself and we had you know you know fathers that were uh very much learned by trial and fire you know truthfully i don't think we would have been able to build the field without jackson's father um out there out there building these these large structures with us but that's you know so it was a it was a great experience and honestly you know for me business is um like a hobby and also work. Um, I love, I just love creative businesses. Um, and that kind of led to this, um, what I do now. So you had that entrepreneurial bug early on. Pretty early. Yeah, pretty early. I mean, it, it sort of kicked off when, you know, I just kind of learned there's a lot of creative ways to make a living. Um, and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I, I also did go work, you know, after, after university for IBM. But, so still, but, but by then you you already, you already knew what it was like to be an entrepreneur, right? You're like, yeah. I, I didn't know there was, I didn't know my time was fixed when I went. Um, so funny enough, I, you know, after university, I went to, um, work in the Watson group at IBM. Um, okay. so right as they were sort of forming and becoming their own entity, which is their artificial intelligence group. Um, I joined in the research department, um, and worked in kind of emerging technologies. So think of new use cases for artificial intelligence. That's kind of where I worked. Okay. Um, I was an engineer there. Um, so I was on the technical side. 
And a lot of what influenced kind of the launch of the fund, and I'm sort of skipping through a few things here, but is a lot of the services that we invest into are things that are similar to what we built um, before. In our, I see. Our I role. see. I see. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, were you, but were you a computer science major or, or, or cause it's, I did, I did economics and math. I so see. Was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Could, so, but by the time you got to IBM, could you code and do all that? I could do a little bit. Um, truthfully, uh, I learned a lot on the job. Okay. Um, so a lot of my job did involve actually coding um, okay. and, and building and building services myself. But a lot of it is also, I mean, I, I tell people this often is that if you're, you know, decently creative, if you're good at music, if you're good at math, usually that translates very, very well and actually to someone being a good engineer. I, um, I just, just the way you think about problems. I just love how a guy that used to own a, so, a, 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 um, uh, uh, what you call it? a paintball, a paintball company. Like a couple of years later, he's an AI software developer. <laughs> it's, uh, it's so, it's so different. I know. Wow. And, and, and it, what's crazy about, uh, you know, that story actually is I never applied to the job that I ended up taking. I was, wow. I was actually planning on going to work in um, actually in the games industry um, okay. in a completely different vertical. Okay. So you, you had planned on doing that even before convoy, you wanted yeah. to go to work in the gaming industry. Okay. Yeah, and, you, and I'm assuming in high school and college, you were a gamer. Like you guys were gamers. Yes. Okay. Yes. So a big part of our story is that, you know, kind of growing up where we did, uh, part of the culture is often driven around, Hey, we're going to go to this internet cafe after school, I see. play in these leagues. You know, I grew up playing decently competitively as a child. Um, really? And as a kid, really? yes, I, I loved I probably clocked in, you know, 20 to 30 hours a week um, on the different games. It was a part-time job. Yeah. <laughs> what? Do you, do you have like a bunch of trophies and medals and stuff that you had? Yeah, way back? A, lot, a lot of the places we played, they didn't really do a lot of trophies. Um, and a lot often, you know, more often than not, it wasn't a glorious win. It was, you know, you're, you're, you're winning in a community of about 50 to 100 people. And you're freaking out because you know how big of a deal it is for you. But, uh, you know, one of my favorite games to date and always will be is a game called Counter-Strike. Um, okay. I still play that. I literally played that three nights ago. Um, so I still play it. Can, uh, can I ask a question here? And I'm just thinking about this as a father. So when, yeah. you're, at, when you're at IBM, when, when did you get married? Or, or how long have you been with your wife at this point? Uh, so we've been married for just over, uh, just under three years. Just under three years. Yeah. Okay. So while you were at a IBM. Yeah. Yep. So I was, with, I was at IBM. Are, are there any moments anywhere in there where like you're working at IBM, you're this software developer with this big job, but, but in the meantime, you're playing, you're, you're a gamer. Yeah. Is your, is your wife ever like, 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 Hey, what are you like? Hey, what are you doing? Like, why are you spending so much time on that? I mean, yeah, was, there any, was there any of that in there? Well, obviously my uh, gameplay has definitely uh, diminished <laughs> a little bit since, since marriage and also having a full-time job. Um, okay. Okay. But, but luckily, you know, I have a very supportive wife who's uh um, very, you know, understanding of, of kind of a passion. And I've actually gotten her to play a little bit with me, which is fun. I'm, I'm having this visual of you holding the controller and she's giving you a hard time and you're telling her like, Hey, look, I'm, I'm going to go into this, this business, this industry. I'm going to eventually do this for a living. Like, are you telling I, her that? Are you telling I, I, so she, she knew that this was a passion. Um, and you know, when the opportunity sort of struck, uh, she's been nothing but kind of wow. supportive. So and funny so enough, you know, so for cool. the first, uh, actually, two, so we're, we're kind of super weird in this regard, but the first two years of our marriage, we actually didn't own a TV in our house. Really? I just, yeah. So I chose to, you know, I was only going to game on a computer and we sort of just decided, hey, first two years, let's just see if we okay. can do it. Okay. And we planned to do it for three months and it sort of just stuck. Um, and funny enough, we just didn't want a TV for two years. We have one now um, just because truthfully, I, I uh, 
I wanted to watch TVs on a big screen again. Um, no. So yeah, and movies. Mm. Um, Why do I think that was a sneaky way of you being able to do gaming more so and watch TV less? It's funny <laughs> she doesn't know. No. <laughs> no, she she was uh, she was actually a proponent uh, of it too, and it, it was funny. You know, it was actually really good for me. I think also just sort of um, focus on being present, and you know, you know, a lot of my world is very much drawn towards you know community in gaming mm -hmm. and actually not having that in the house was actually really refreshing for that's us cool. sometimes that's right? cool that's and so cool. when i won a game i'd go on my pc which is you know not too big that's actually where i'd rather play games and so most hardcore gamers do play on pc not console oh they which do. is like xbox and playstation yeah yeah i, I see okay yeah. so so after four years at ibm now you start edging into walk us into how you start to think all right, what am I going to do next? Do I, yeah. do I want to work for a gaming company? But then somehow that kind of transitioned into screw that. Let's, let's start a fund that invests in gaming companies. They, walk yes. us how all that yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it truly started with, um, so I was at IBM and we were, you know, honestly, I, I learned a lot from that group and I have nothing but positive things to say about the organization as a whole. Yeah. Um, I had some great mentors and leaders there that, that were kind enough to teach me along the way. Um, which was really, really helpful. Um, but when I started to sort of see like, hey, you know what, I think I do want to go do my own thing. I'm ready to, to pivot out. Um, I started actually looking at that, hey, what, what startup can I start in gaming? Okay. And saw quickly actually that in games, um, there's a lot of people that get funding for what you call studios or content. So think of the person building the next Fortnite or Okay. The next, um, if you've heard of Fortnite or like yes, Call of Duty or things like yep. that, yep. that's where most of the funding goes in our industry. Okay. Um, and I knew a lot of people and had a lot of personal friends that had started companies um, that were what I'd call it more in the background. So the infrastructure and technology, which is truthfully what I've been doing myself at IBM. Um, a lot of the services that I built were things that you'll probably never hear of, right? And, but you rely on on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. so our thesis was pretty simple. It was like, hey, you know, well, why don't we go build a company that's targeting the back end of gaming, right? So we started thinking about it and looking around and I sort of tinkered around with a few of my friends about ideas. And then eventually what we sort of settled on was like, hey, we're noticing that most of the founders trying to build what we call platform plays or infrastructure plays in gaming struggle to get financing. Okay. Um, and so we looked into it and we said, hmm, wh why is that the case? Um, usually in venture capital, when it comes to video gaming, most again, go to, go to content, go to studios. And they said, okay, well, let's see, is there enough demand for a fund that has the thesis of we're only going to invest into technology that's the, back, the backbone of the industry. So think of things that, you know, it doesn't matter if Fortnite's popular this month or the next, but things that support Fortnite, Call of Duty, you know, and all the other Halos and other big titles, right? So okay. we looked into the thesis. Okay. Um, I approached a bunch of founders in the space and said, Hey, do you think this is, you know, merited? And they said, why don't we try it out? And so Josh, who's my brother, actually. Okay. Myself, I, figured, I, I figured that I, I yes. looked you guys up on YouTube earlier this morning. I saw an interview. I thought that's gotta be his brother. Yes. <laughs> yes. Josh, myself and uh, Jackson. So kind of this, the personal story there, which is a big deal for us is I've known Jack since I was 11 years old. Wow. And, you know, Josh is obviously, I go back to birth with him. Yeah. Um, and so we're very tight knit. And so we've kind of teamed together and said, huh, let's launch a research project and just say, hey, if you're looking for angel funding in this space, 
um, apply. We have a network of people. We're actually personally looking to invest a little bit of our own capital into the space. Okay. And we were shocked by how many people Good. applied. So great move. Know. I mean, great, great yeah. move. I mean, you were just kind of tossing a little line out there and let, let, let's see yeah. what, what happens here. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. So we tossed the line out there. Um, we had 800 companies apply within 12 months. Are you serious? It was wild. Yeah. So we had a wild experience and we, we, we were like, that's really when it clicked for us. And we said, huh, instead of trying to be one of the other companies, maybe we can fit a need um, in this market, given that well, one, we do live and breathe this market as consumers ourselves. Mm-hmm. Two is, you know, we are two of the three partners are very technical. So myself and Jackson, which is very helpful usually when we're looking at the companies we are. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we said, huh, we think that we should just raise a fund around this. And so truthfully, my first stop was I went and pinged a bunch of, you know, successful founders who are way more, uh, have way more, com- uh, I don't know, credibility in the space than I ever will have, you know, and said, Hey, this is my thesis. Would you be willing to invest in a fund that attacks that thesis? And we got a lot of them to say yes. Um, and so that's kind of the genesis of our fund and how wow. we sort of got kicked off. Yeah. How, how'd that feel the very first time you asked uh, one of those guys to write a check? How'd that feel? Was that oh, awesome? very nerve wracking. Uh, you know, very nerve wracking. I, I, you know, I would much rather lose uh, $20 of my own money than $20 of someone else's money. I think it's kind of a, is a very real thing. And so as a fund manager, what you're doing is you're essentially a steward of other people's capital, right? Exactly. Yep. And so, you know, that's a real weight that, you know, I've you know, taken over the last two years really processing, um, but hopefully getting better with that stress, you know, every day as I go forward. Um, but yeah, it, it's, we've been really supported by our LPs. They've been really, really fantastic. I can almost imagine what that first conversation was like. You go to this guy and you say, Hey, look, I've never, I've never actually been, a, I've never actually been a CEO of my own company and I've never, I've never made any investments myself, but I want you to write me a check and I'll, ma- I'll turn your money into more money. Just trust me. I got a good trust idea. Me. Yeah. It's, it's been, it has been a, it was a wild ride. Even thinking back to those first conversations, you know, like all we really had to point to was, um, you know, thankfully all three of us did have, you know, pretty, I, I'd call mildly successful careers, right? Mm-hmm. Right. right. We had professional training from some kind of big brands, which did help us a lot. Um, and truthfully, we just hustled our way into this and said, wow. you know, great. we just kept staying at the table. Um, you know, we, we tried to provide as much value and give away things for free as we could. And yeah. I was talking to someone else who's launching a fund and they said, you know, how did you do a cold approach? Um, truthfully, I'm convinced that you can get to just about anybody in the world. If you want to get in front of somebody, you'll have your shot. What you do with that shot is up to you. Mm. Um, and so the amount of cold messaging that I did, you know, on emails, on LinkedIn, uh, astounding, right? Yeah. Astounding. Yeah. Thousands, yeah. thousands of touches before you could, you know. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I think I literally emailed about 6,000 people, um, over the course of a year and, and it was, you know, people that, you know, I first had my first tier of people that I really wanted to talk to. And, you know, those were my core investors. And then it was just kind of going around to be like, who's interested in this very niche way to play video games? Wow. Right. Mm, very yeah. good. Very good. Now, at, at what point did you quit your job? Or as soon as you got the first couple of investments in? Talk let's to us see. about that time. No, no, I quit way before that. Um, so let's see. I, we started doing that kind of research project, throwing up the right. site right. in early 2018. I quit my job in September of 18. Now, had you gotten some money in by at that point? Somebody already wrote money. Zero money. You quit your job before the first person wrote a check? 
I did. I was, oh. I, I was, I was pretty, um, and you know, truthfully, I'm one of the more conservative people probably on our team, if not the most conservative. Um, but I was dead convinced. And obviously that was a conversation with my wife, but right? <laughs> yes, thankfully I, I had support from her and I said, Hey, look, I think this is going to work. Um, and she said, and what was really helpful for us and something I encourage a lot of entrepreneurs to do is, uh, time box goals. And so what I did was I said, Hey, we need to be at XYZ dollars by this date. Otherwise I'm moving on to do something else. That's a good, that's good. Yeah. I like that. Now, mm-hmm. now did you say, Hey honey, um, I'm going to quit my job because this other, th- other thing's going to work. And did she say, well, when do you start getting checks again? Like when do you start getting paid? <laughs> she, did, she did ask that question. She was like, so can you timeline that out? Like when are you going to start getting money again? Right. Uh, I was like, that's a great question. Um, uh, <laughs> And so we estimated, you know, I was like, you know what? I think I can do this for nine months without taking a paycheck. Okay. Right. So you had about a nine month gap. Was she working? She was working. Yes. She okay. Was working. All, so right. Decided, all right. Hey, we're going to alter our lifestyle a little bit, hunker in a little bit, you know, probably not going to save much money the next nine months. Right. Go for it. Oh, very good. Okay. So was it nine months, by the way, before you could start paying yourself? It was just eight and a half months. So it was. Oh, wow. It was, good job. Good job on hitting that early goal. Yeah, no, I, I told people, I'm like, hey, you know, the first year when you're starting off a fund, you know, I was paying myself something like $30,000. Right, right. Super small. <laughs> and it was essentially just things to like cover living costs, right? And, I, th- I, think yeah. that's, I think that's huge for the investors, right? You're showing them, you're like, hey, I'm, <clears throat> I'm a good steward of your money. I'm not just asking you to write a check so I can, you know, live the lavish lifestyle over here while- yeah. you know, while I'm deciding where to invest your money, you know, no. I, I always joke with our founders, you know, sometimes I founders get paid a lot more than I do. Right. And I would think so. And, right. And it's, and it's something I tell them like, Hey, look, you know, uh, I'm, I'm happy. I'm sort of in the trenches with you. Right. I'm not sitting in my ivory tower. Right. I'm right. very much in, in the, the weeds with you. Mm, that's good. And also something a lot of people I think don't know about venture capital, but typically, um, when you start a fund, you also have to put up a percentage of the fund yourself personally. You know, so, I, I don't yeah. think I knew that. That's good for the listeners. Yeah, walk them through that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So typically, you know, depending on if you're a private equity fund, venture capital fund, you're putting a percentage of the total AUM mm-hmm. or assets under management into mm-hmm. the fund yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we had to do that, that it made it very real of just, you know, like <laughs> right. pushing your chips into the, into the center and saying, okay, like I really do believe in this. Um, and it's meant to align um, kind of incentives between you and your LPs and saying, Hey, look, I'm invested too. I love um, it. I love it. I love it. By the way, you forgot to mention that with your wife, you, you told her, Hey, I'm not going to get paid for nine months. And Oh, we are going to put in oh, a check I ourselves. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's so it's super, uh, super great walking through that, you know, and, and, uh, it's been interesting because so typically what, you know, I was, you know, at this very, very stable job beforehand and she right. was actually at a startup oh. and startup got more stable. Okay. And then I dropped off and became the less stable one and then have sort of slowly built that instability. And so, you know, something I, I tell people who are, you know, married or, you know, have a significant other of some kind um, that it's very helpful to have support and to sort of team it up with your, with your spouse or, you know, your partner. Critical. Yep. Critical. Okay. So you started, now you're starting to get investments. People are writing you checks. Yeah. yeah. How can you share any details of the size of the fund? Or yeah, I can. How much yeah. Okay. Right. yeah, yeah. So we closed in just about eleven million dollars. So it was a. It was a it's actually, it's actually a pretty. It's a really small fund for venture capital. I I know it sounds like a lot of money to me too, um, but you like, know, yeah, 
<laughs> so for, for most funds though, if you're anything below $150 million, you're considered what you call like a micro fund, sort of. Right. Usually that's the kind of the, the definition. Did you, uh, so you've raised about $11 million in what, two years? We raised that in about, let's see, it would have been about officially, officially nine months, but it was really a year. We, it was did, really about a year that we were actually asking people. Did you ever wake up in the middle of the night, like in a cold sweat at 3 a.m. going, I just, I just took like millions of dollars from this guy and he's, I, <laughs> he's depending on me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I have that happen regularly, actually, you know, where I, I have a moment where something something sort of, you know, makes it really seem very real, right? Of like kind of the, the weight I've taken on. And, mm. you know, something that, you know, for me, uh, it's helped me a lot is having, you know, kind of a support network of also a couple people above me that, that mentor me who have, you know, managed billion dollar funds. And I talk to them about that. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, the weight of 11 million is almost, you know, unfathomable at times. Like, how do you manage a billion, right? And, you know, just kind of growing in that and realizing that as a steward, you know, your, your job is to sort of stay steady, even when there's highs and lows. Um, and oh, so no. something I've learned to try to do is to not get too excited when things are going really well, and also not to get too bummed out when things are going poorly. I like that. I like that. Now, yeah. and not only are you, you know, getting investments, but now you're investing those dollars. You're, you're, meeting, yes. you're meeting with yes. founders, you're meeting with startups, and you're you and your brother and your, your lifelong friend are deciding who to invest money in. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So that's, that is the, probably the funnest part of my job is when you get to pick a new company. Right. right. And right. you know, the way we go about sourcing deals is, well, one is we're, we're one of the few funds focused on what we do in the world. Um, and so just kind of as a high level of the video game industry, right. It's a $150 billion industry. Um, it's twice the size of music and Hollywood combined. Wow. It is, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely wild. Right. And I always tell people this and, you know, I'm like, this is where people are choosing to spend their time over, um, you know, consuming media in a different way. And we're really seeing this tectonic shift of gaming is losing its stigma of, you know, I'm in the basement, I'm antisocial. I don't want to see people too. I actually play games usually with my friends and I'm just choosing to do that rather than, Hey, let's go to your house and watch a movie. Like we're actually jumping on all of our computers together and playing a game and you know, socializing and talking. And I, I can talk a lot about, about the social aspects of that, but mm -hmm. big fan personally, obviously, because of, you know, what I've chosen to do. Mm -hmm. But yeah, when it comes down to selecting companies, we source companies in a few different ways. One is we go to a lot of conferences and speak often on panels. Okay. Um, and that's a really good way for us to source deals because often there's a lot of entrepreneurs in the crowd and they come up to us afterwards or email us. That's a great way. And um, is it, is it, I got an idea for a game or is it, we've already developed, you know, some things, but yeah. now, or is it just all over the board? So what we do, I mean, we get, we get hit with all types of levels of, yeah. you know, where the company is, what we invest into is we do seed stage deals um, and okay. we invest between 250,000 to $500,000. That's, that's our range. Okay. And typically the company is built products, just started making some revenue Oh. And it's sort of just starting to tip up, right? And so we don't usually like to invest pre-revenue. That's not okay. Our, okay. our mantra. Good to know. Um, yeah, and we usually like to see some sort of traction. Um, and most of our companies, not all of them, but most of them are, are on the B2B side, not B2C. Okay. Um, you know, we have a couple of B2C plays. And we're actually looking to make another one soon, which we're excited about. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's what we, we hunt for. So talk to me about the types of people you trust. Yeah. Right? When you, when you, 
Now, even if you even if you meet uh, some folks with a good idea, and let's say they got a little bit of revenue, um, yep. I'm sure you've turned down deals where you where you you meet people and you're like, okay, that guy's an asshole. We're not. There's no way I'm giving giving him money. Yes. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of you know, when it comes, when it's an early stage company, right? Like the difference between early stage venture versus later stage is there's a lot less to point to from a metric standpoint, usually. Right. Right. You know, I'm not investing in saying, okay, you're Uber and you've got all these metrics broken down. I can invest in the growth of this company. I can, I can expect or fairly certain if I give you this capital for marketing, it's going to, it's going to produce this. Right. Mm -hmm. When it comes to, you know, early stage, you're usually looking at three things. Um, there's three things that will kill a deal for us. Okay. Um, one is you're looking at the, the competitive framework of this company, right. And you're saying, okay, who's out there? Is anyone doing what you're doing? How are they doing that? Um, do you think you can survive in that pond or okay. that ocean together with those guys? That's one thing that will kill a deal. Um, another thing is definitely the team. Um, we have a big preference for founders that have experienced either running a, their own company, being very senior at a startup, or actually having exits. So most of our founders, not all of them, but most of them are, you know, surprising, you know, you'd be surprised, but over the age of 40. Oh, um, really? Yeah, so a lot of them are kind of in that early 40s, late 30s range, have either worked for a long time at a very, you know, prominent company like a IBM or Microsoft or whatever, okay. and they spun out or two, they have a couple exits under their belt and, you know, they're launching this new idea. And for us, we like that a lot because it proves that one, you, you, you're an operator and executor, you know what you're doing. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny coming from, you know, younger investors, right? Cause obviously you can tell we're not in that fifties range yet um, yeah. in our life. And, you know, so we do have this propensity and preference for that. Uh, the third thing is definitely, um, you know, we do spend a lot of time with the people. Um, and because, you know, once you invest, a lot of people think, oh, okay, I'm invested. Like, we're just going to go online for a ride. No, that's when the work really begins for us. Um, you know, I spend over half of my day typically working on the portfolio. Um, and yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, have you, it, I'm sure, well, it's early, so I don't know. Yeah. Have you invested in some that crapped out already? Have you had some failures? Oh, we yes. haven't had any deaths yet. Deaths, you know, okay. <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, no deaths. Uh, no deaths yet. Um, I am sure that we will. Um, yeah, you know, probably. Sure, unfortunately, of our business. Um, you usually assume, depending on who you ask, but usually the range is between somewhere between 30 to 50% will go to zero. That's like often a very common thing that you expect. Um, I, I don't think that will happen to our fund, but I'm sure that many other managers before me thought the exact same thing. And so hopefully, uh, hopefully I'm right. Um, do you want to be the only investor or are you usually a smaller investor and there's other people in or, or how does that work? Typically we're coming in and we're one of the first, if not the first, what you call institutional money, which is okay. not like an angel check. And gotcha. so usually our rounds are between a million to $2 million in total. And you know, we're putting in, 250 to 500 of that. And then we go source from our network. I see. One in. I, I yeah. see. Okay. Very good. And can you talk about what percentage of the company you take or you can't, it's all, it's yeah, no, yeah. usually it's between five to 10%. That's usually what we go for. Really? Okay. Very yeah. good. All right. Sounds yeah. good. Well, I appreciate you sharing that information because I'm yeah. sure there'll be people listening to, to this in the community and then you'll get additional phone calls saying, Hey, we want you to invest in our company. <laughs> no, I would love that. I would love that. I mean, for me, you know, I do these podcasts selfishly as well because, you know, I like to, you know, promote what we're up to. And if there's any smart founder out there, you know, we'd love to talk to them. Right. Any, uh, no exits yet, right. On any of the investments too early. One, for that. one pending. So I can't announce it yet, but we do have an acquisition in our belt. So we're very excited about that. 
Really? Okay, yeah. so you're gonna make the, your money back on the first one of the first ones that you're gonna you know see cash coming back. From yeah, we will, we will see we will see a return of capital, uh, which we're very excited about. Um, and I'm, I'm pumped to, pumped to you know, be able to talk about that later. Good, um, for, you, good for you. It's good for you. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a good proof point for us. Um, and you know, I'm thrilled for the founders. How about, uh, how, how about some of the uh, people that have invested money? It's, it's too early. They're not calling you saying, Hey man, where's my money? I want my money back. That's, that's too yeah, typically, typically you're not doing that with venture capital this early. So, okay. you know, our okay. oldest investor in the fund would have invested and given us money just, just about a year ago. Um, and so typically you're looking for returns to start happening between year three and year five. That's kind of where you're, you're sort of like, Hey, where's, where's some of my money. And that's where you're sort of waiting for. Okay. My goal is to get that back as fast as possible, obviously. So I would love to, you know, you know, hopefully, and, and usually just kind of a benchmark, like if you want to perform in the top 25% of venture capital, um, you're looking to three X, so 300% return of your fund over 10 years. Yeah. So yeah. I took 11 million. I need to get back 33 million in the 10 years. <laughs> no pressure, right? No pressure. Yeah. No pressure. Um, <laughs> yeah. Would, um, real quickly, would you, what, what advice would you give, uh, by the way, how many deals have you said no to just roughly any idea? Oh my gosh. Uh, so we actually just did a calculation. So we had, We've invested into 12 companies and we are, we've said no to about 1300. Okay. Okay. There, there's a reality check for people that are looking for VC money. Can you give a couple of tips on, yeah. pitch, on, on, on pitching? Like what, what do you, what common mistakes do you see um, or common reasons why you would say no, you touched on it a little bit, but common mistakes okay. in the pitch, just talk to us about all those common reasons. You're like, no, 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 go ahead. <laughs> I, I think uh, a couple a couple things that really do stand out to me, and we were just talking about this earlier to, uh, yeah. yesterday, um, which was well, I'm, I'm surprised by a lot of founders that they don't actually get their materials together and get a, what you call a formal data room. Um, so, you know, having your financial model, your pitch deck all finalized, your cap table for me to see, like when you're approaching, you know, an institutional investor, those are things that you'd probably want to have figured out mm -hmm. at some level. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is, um, you know, the quality of pitch decks are usually not super high um, in the sense that a lot of way too much text, you know, I, I remember a pitch deck is just something to speak, like pique my interest. That's just not supposed to be the explanation. I'm going to get from, get that from you on a call. Um, also, I'm surprised by how many people don't actually have their customer acquisition costs figured out. Um, that's something that is very, very pertinent and need, you need to know that. Um, Great tip. Uh, I'm more on a soft tip. Um, something that I think people often do on calls is they either try to over hyper oversell. Um, and you know, truthfully, if you don't know the answer to a question, I would rather you tell me, Hey, I actually don't have that, but I will follow up with you after this call and email me. I will respect that a lot more than you making up something that isn't true or lying. Um, <laughs> that, that is, uh, you know, something I, I really do look for and I respect founders who say, Hey, look, you know, like I don't actually have that yet, but I will follow up with you. And if they follow up with me, you, you, you're in good standing with me. Right. Um, that's something I always tell people too. What's the uh, process do if somebody yeah. wants to, by the way, for the listeners, it's, it's convoy.vc and that's convoy with a K. So convoy.vc. What's the process? Do they, do they like uh, submit an application? Do they send you their pitch deck? And, and then if you approve that, then you'll do a meeting. What's the, what's the process? 
So typically there's, there's kind of a couple ways we get a deal in front of us. If you're coming at us cold with no kind of intro or anything like that, right, right. Um, you would apply on our site. We actually have a, you know, a form that you fill out, you upload your materials and then our, you know, our fantastic associate or one of us will actually look at it first. Okay. And based off of that, we'll schedule a 30 minute call. We'll walk through the deck with you, have you pitch us. And after that, if that's interesting, what we'll do is we'll rope in a second team member. Okay. Um, after that call happens, we actually rope in the whole team. If everyone's interested. And then what we do is we actually start to, Hey, we think this is an investment we want to get into. We'll start writing what you call an investment memo. Um, so after that investment memo is written out, it's usually like a re it's kind of like a research paper saying, this is why we think we should make this investment. Mm. Um, it's usually between like 20 to 40 pages of research. So it's a lot of work on our end. Um, and in that process, we're paying tons of different people. And one of the strengths of our fund is that, a lot of them are, um, you know, founders in gaming that do have, you know, an expertise in a specific field we're looking at. And we talk to them and say, Hey, look, what do you think about this? Oftentimes they'll jump on a call with the founder. Mm. And then, um, after we find that we say, yes, we're a go or a no go. Uh, you know, typically there's, you know, things to negotiate between valuation, board seats, things like that. And then we get to a yes. And usually it's between four to six weeks. That's kind of like the standard time. I see. If you had to force rank, Picking an awesome product with an okay founder team versus an awesome founder team with an okay product. I'm, I probably would go with the awesome founder with an okay product just because truthfully at this stage, you know, you can see people pivot and the ones that can pivot quickly um, are ones that usually survive. Yep. Right? I, yep. I totally agree with that answer. Yeah, yeah for sure. Very good. Okay, great. So let me ask you a few things. Now, do you have, yeah. do you have employees at your, at your company? At we company? have one employee. Um, his name is Taylor Hurst and he is uh, fantastic. You know, he, he, he uh, actually pitched us on giving him a job. We weren't <laughs> hiring and he said, I will work for you for free for three months. And he How did. How I give him a lot of credit. He, he took a lot of, a big jump um, and he is fantastic. And you won't meet someone who's more pumped about gaming than him. By the way, not only did he volunteer to work for three months, but he also stepped into a situation with three guys that have known each other forever. Right? Yes. So yeah, tough, tough, tough to walk uh, into. Yes. Tough to walk into. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely. Tough. And I give him a lot of credit. You know, he's definitely earned the trust of our team and we, uh, you know, fully expect to have them around for the long haul here. A couple of, uh, I know we're getting closer on our, on our time here. Let me ask you this. So for the, for anybody out there that wants to start their own fund, um, you want to give them a couple of pieces of advice, uh, on, on how to get started or maybe what, what you learned. <laughs> um, want to start their own fund. I would say, um, something I, I would tell you is look, you know, most people who start a fund, um, have, don't have our story. They have a different story. The story of, Hey, I worked at a very large venture capital fund, like, you know, an Excel, Bessemer, Sequoia, Graycroft. And then I was there for, you know, 10 to 15 years and I decided to spin out, right? Like that's mm -hmm. a very standard story. The other story, which is very common is, Hey, I sold my company for a couple billion dollars. Right. I think I know this, this industry very well. I'm going to start a fund with, you know, and I'm going to seed it with a lot of my own money and then also bring in my friends to do that. Right. Um, you know, our story is a little different than that. Right? We don't have a billion dollar exit under our belts just right. yet. Right. Um, but what I tell people is look, having a very niche and focused thesis on what knowing your pitch and what you want to swing at is very important. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's a lot harder if I was going to approach and say, Hey, I have this generalist fund. We invest in everything under the sun. Um, just bet on me. Right. right. 
it's a little harder when instead of me saying, Hey, look, I do know, you know, how to build these services. I do know this industry and we have the backing of, you know, and I'm in my mind, you know, I'm obviously a little biased, but some of the smarter people in, in the industry of how they're, they're looking to deploy capital and fund the next wave of startups behind us, you know, that was a very helpful weight for us, right? Early on, we got buy-in from some really big names and that was really helpful for, for, for us as a team. Um, but I'd say also don't get discouraged, right? Like, you know, there's, I had uh, uh, thousands of no's, literally thousands, and, and it's okay, right? And, you know, I, you shoot your shot, move on, be respectful of their time. You know, I always joke and say, I've had LPs, so which are investors in us, come in to the fund within 24 hours, and I've had people take a year. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, it just, you'd never know, and I, you know, I just tell people, like, treat all investors with respect, um, and, you know, you know, you never know what's going to happen, and also just be careful with who you take money from. Cause once you take their money, you're, you're working for them. Um, you know, I, right. I am. And so just be careful who you take money from and make sure that they're, I don't know, people that, you know, something I think about a lot is who am I okay with making my job to make them more money? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, just a soft quality, but you know, I'm really proud to say everyone in our fund, someone I, I'm, I would be willing to back and say, Hey, look, I'm, I'm happy with hopefully handing them back $2 and they gave you one. Bye. Right. So now eventually as you, as your company, you know, keeps going over the years, eventually you'll probably take money from somebody where you're like, Oh Jesus Christ. You know, I hope that doesn't happen. (laughs) I really hope it doesn't happen. Uh, You know, I have heard horror stories from other founders, other fun founders as well. Yeah. Um, But you know, if it does happen, then you pray your way through it. I guess we'll we'll, we'll do another, we'll do another podcast. You can tell me about it. Yeah. yeah, I can do the next one. (laughs) How about, how about this question? Um, How about if, if, if I'm 23 uh, years old, I'm coming yeah. out of college, I, I got my first job, I've been there a couple of years, and, and I have a brother or a buddy that mm-hmm. we want to start a company, but it's not a, it's not a fund. We just, want to yeah. start, we just want to start our own company. But we're married, we don't have a huge savings. Um, talking to the wife, and she's, you know, we're like, hey, we're going to quit our job, and I don't know when I'm going to get paid next, and I'm a little scared, and your wife's scared, yeah. everybody's scared. What do you say to those folks? Oh man, you know, I don't want to encourage irresponsible behavior based off my own. Um, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I, I would say to them and say, uh, look, I would say time box it and just be like, look, I like that. I just time like box that. it. You got to come up like goals. You know, one of the phrases I love is uh, goals without timelines are just dreams. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that's something I always tell people like, look, get a goal in six months. You're supposed to be here. If you're not there, have accountability group around you of three or four people that say, we're going to pull the plug on yep. this. Right. And or it's okay. Pivot, or, or pivot if you need to, in some way, do something. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. also just, you know, luckily we live in the gig economy where, you know, you can do freelance work on the side too, if you need to get a quick couple thousand dollars, especially right. if you're technical. That's um, a great, that's a great tell, point. I didn't do any of that while I was, you know, I actually kind of wish I had in the sense of, you know, just saying, Hey, look, let me take 10 hours a week and, do a project for people and you know, you can, you can make pretty good money. Um, you, you and your, uh, you and your brother ever get in arguments? <laughs> Ooh, man. You know, funny, funny enough. So Josh and I are very, we're very close because the way we grew up moving every two, three years, yeah. um, you know, he's the only person truthfully on this earth that has sort of a similar vantage point to the way I grew up um, okay. of, you know, Nigeria, Mozambique, Bolivia, Brazil, um, all these different places we lived growing up as kids. 
and we have, we're very different personalities, right? And so I'm probably the more pessimistic, negative one on the team. I always okay. think of the problems first. And Josh is definitely the optimist. And nice so balance. Nice balance. We have a great balance of, you know, he pulls me along when I, and I'm fighting and kicking. And then I also pull him back when I think he's going a little bit outside of the reservation. Um, you know, and so I, I think, I think for us, we do have fights occasionally, but you know, we've never had a, um, an argument that's gotten out of control. And, you know, we often, and this is very helpful to have a third partner too, that can weigh in and be like, look, this is what we're doing. Who's that's when speak in. That's when you knew employee Taylor. He's like, I'll, I'll be over here when you guys are done. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have, uh, we've, we've joked with uh, Taylor a couple of times as he's, you know, walked out and he said, you know, Taylor, what do you think? He's like, I think nothing. He has, he has a great response. Um, I, I give him a lot. Uh, two, two, two final questions. If you could call yeah. your, if you could call your 21 year old self coming out of college. Man. Now, cause I, yeah. yeah, cause cause you're like, what are you early thirties? I don't know. I am. I'm just late, I'm late, late, late twenties. Okay. Late twenties. Yeah, 28. Yeah. Um, what, if you could call the, you know, it's only been seven or eight years, but if you could yeah. go back those, those seven years, would you tell that guy to do anything different? Definitely. Um, man, such a knucklehead. Um, so let's see, what would I tell myself at 21? Um, something I tell a lot of college, I was actually just back at Wheaton college okay. at an event. And I, I was telling the students there is like, cool. Hey, look, it's never too early to start doing internships. Um, something that I really valued that I did, um, in college, a lot of is I tried a lot of different industries. Right. And Very good. it was essentially like an accelerated way to figure out that, Hey, I don't want to do that. Right. And that's what I always tell people like, look, I actually worked at, you know, uh, in a bank. I worked um, in finance. I worked in, um, I did like a startup marketing position. I worked as a developer for somebody. I did a lot of different roles and I sort of guided myself to what I think I was good at and also what I liked to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, what I would tell my 20 year old self is honestly, I think I would have focused more on technical skills a little earlier. Um, I think that would have sped okay. up my, my kind of what I call like lethalness, okay. my first couple of roles. Um, anyone today can go get, you know, basic knowledge of different programming languages through like a Udemy or through uh, any online courses. There's a lot of free ones too. And if I'm smart enough to do it, I know a lot of your viewers are smart enough to do it too. Um, so That's I would good. tell myself just hone in on that. Also, I think the thing that a lot of people, the lie of the GPA focused in college, um, uh-huh. I, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I, you know, I graduated with a fine GPA, but nothing that was breaking the charts. I wasn't a 4.0 student. And I look at a lot of the people that, you know, made school their, their main focus instead of kind of their vocational focus. Like how do I get skills to go um, start a career with the skills I need? Right. And I think a lot of that's just picked up on the job. You just have to be in work, especially in business. Um, just, just go work for anyone, work for free. I know that a couple thousand dollars sounds like a lot of money right now to a college student. Um, don't get me wrong, I still think a couple thousand dollars is a lot of money, but it's not, it's, it's worth the trade-off of you getting a really good work experience. Like for instance, if you were to offer an internship and the guy was like, hey, I want X, Y, Z um, to work, you know, I would say like, you know what, you're gonna gain so much more if I could offer you to work for free. So I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan fan too. We've had several interns flow through uh, here at RiderFlex at our recruiting team and it's great. It's great for them. Just like you, just like you said, not only do you learn and you network and you build relationships, but you also learn about what you don't want to do. Uh, I think it's great. Yeah. No, very good. Last, last question, Jason. Um, 
how do you define your core purpose in life now? Hmm. If you had to, you know, if you had to, you know, put it in one sentence, when Jason wakes up every day, Oof, what, yeah. what's his, what's his core purpose? You think? Oh man, my core purpose. So uh, something that is really important to me is my faith. So I'm a Christian. That's really important to me personally. Um, and so, you know, when I say my core purpose, like I would probably say something about, Hey, I want to treat people the way that God tells me I should treat people. Mm. And you know, like that is, like you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of outlined in the Bible about how to do that. Um, so, you know, just for me personally, that's a big core purpose. The other thing is honestly just to, uh, be faithful to what's given me um, from my investors and also, you know, from my family. Um, so, you know, I've been given a lot of gifts in this world, um, which I don't deserve, you know, and I, I realize that. And so I, I want to be faithful with those gifts. Um, so I think that's, that's probably the best answer. Awesome. I, I like it. No, it's very good. I mean, you strike yeah. me as a very upstanding moral guy no. and I could, and I can see why people are comfortable writing you checks and, and uh, giving you their money. So I can, I can, so much. I can see it. I can definitely see it. By the way, when you go home, does your mom ever go like, wow, like you, you talk to people into writing checks for $11 million. <laughs> I've had some fun moments with my mom and, and my mom is, uh, so the, you know, the, the story there is my mom also, uh, you know, a lot of the, the countries we lived in for, you know, pre I was in fifth grade actually didn't have like a school. Um, oh, so I actually, she homeschooled us and did online courses until I was in fifth grade. And she was such a trooper about it. Like she great. is a nurse by trade. My mom's a rock star. I see. Um, and Very she's worked cool. for, worked for the government too. And so anyways, I, I come to her and, and she's like, I never would have guessed you ended up doing this. Right. And, and it's, uh, you know, she, she is always like, you know what? We were your first investor in that paintball business. So she, don't forget about that. And I was like, I'll never forget. Mom. Don't worry. <laughs> That's so yeah. good. That, hey, your parents must be super proud of you and your brother for what you guys have done. So congratulations on, so on, on, on everything. It takes guts to uh, quit your job at IBM and yeah. you know, start a business and start a fund and go raise cash. I mean, hey, you, and, and you're having lots of traction and some major accomplishments early on. So. Congrats, you know, my friend. Congrats. We're really, we're really excited. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'll be watching. I'll be watching and keep, you know, looking for you in the news and all those good things as you uh, continue to move along. Yeah, <laughs> thanks so much. I really appreciate it. So Jason <laughs> Chapman of Convoy. And by the way, just for the listeners, one more time, Convoy with a K, convoy.vc.